Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life. And uh, if you're a first-time guest with us here today, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed your experience so far. And uh, I think that today God's going to speak to you as well as we open up His Word. And I uh, just want to welcome you this morning. Now, for the rest of us, thank you for coming back. And, and uh, we're, in, we're in a series now that we're bringing to an end today called uh, Colossians, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And what we've done is we took a a book out of the New Testament called Colossians, which was a letter actually written by a guy named the Apostle Paul. And he wrote this letter to a church in a a city called Colossae, and uh, and it became known as Colossians in our New Testament. And we've been studying that this summer, uh, verse by verse, and we have definitely seen as we've studied this uh, book that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. In fact, as we leave this series today, as we wrap it up, I want us to remember this one uh, thing about the book of Colossians and what it teaches us, and that's this, that Jesus is everything because he created everything and he holds everything together. In fact, the very first week that we had this series, we opened up by reading the whole book of Colossians. It was something we've never done before. We've never read a whole book in worship, and it was uh, something that we will probably do again because it was a really incredible experience, and we did it in place of the message. It was the message, and after that message, Pastor Chris said something really, really important, and here's what he said. He said, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that Jesus is everything in our lives, Now, keep in mind, we'd read the whole thing, and we had a big picture of of what Paul wrote to this church, and we realized that Jesus is everything. And that's why this study has been Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because as Paul writes to the Colossians, he says that Jesus, uh, through Jesus, God created all things, including you you and me, and in Jesus, he holds everything together. And that's why Jesus is gloriously sufficient for everything that we need. Now, today we're going to close up the letter of Colossians uh, with a couple of verses, uh, verses 16 through 18 of chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to get it out right now or a phone, navigate to your favorite app and uh, find Colossians chapter 4. It'll be up on the screen for you as well, but it's always good to, to read along if you want to make some notes or highlight or something like that. I encourage you to do it. Uh, because today we're going to find uh, something very, very important that the Apostle Paul wrote. And I want you, uh, before we get into the Scripture, I want you to think about this in your mind and in your heart, okay? I want you to picture uh, this is your last day on earth, and you are going to the people that you care about very, very deeply, and you're going to tell them something, okay? And that something usually is something very, very important, something that we want them to know. And, and, and it's become kind of in our culture known as, uh, you know, um, your, your final best words, right? So we, we want to offer those words at the end. Or maybe, um, maybe you're not going to leave the earth, maybe you're not going to die, but maybe you're going to move away and you, you're not going with somebody and you're leaving somebody very special behind and, and you want to talk to them uh, very directly and you have something very, very specific you want to say to them. Well, I want you to get that kind of in your mind as we wrap our minds around what Paul is going to say today because that's exactly what was happening at the very end of Colossians. Paul was wrapping up his letter and as he was wrapping it up, he was writing from a prison in Rome and Paul did not know whether he would be able to visit the Colossians, uh, whether he was going to be released from prison, or whether he was going to be killed. And it it was uncertain for Paul, and Paul just assumed that this was going to be the very last thing he was going to say 
to this church. And so it's incredibly important <clears throat> what Paul said. And uh, just like it's incredibly important what, what we say and what people say to us at the, at the end of our, our lives or the end of uh, a trip or whatever, it's the, that moment that is so incredibly important. The words are so powerful. And that's what we're going to see today in verses 16 through 18. So we're going to read it uh, together here. And here's what it says. Colossians chapter 4, verse, beginning in verse 16. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains, and may God's grace be with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can uh, open it up and read the words of Paul and be challenged by your spirit to go deeper with you, to know you more, and God, to know you, period. We just thank you so much that we have that opportunity this morning. And now we ask that your spirit would speak to our spirits as we hear from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, as we conclude, we're going to find something very, very important, and that is this. In fact, it's my message title for today, Why the Bible Ultimately Matters. Why the Bible Ultimately Matters. And we're going to see that in four instructions that Paul gave to the church in Colossae. Okay, so the, there are four instructions that we read about in these, in these couple of verses, and here they are. First, read the letter and pass it on to Laodicea. That's the first thing. The second thing is, read the letter from Laodicea. <clears throat> Excuse me. The third thing is, encourage Archippus. And lastly, remember my chains. Remember my chains. And, uh, and it, it, these are incredible instructions that Paul packs into two verses. I mean, it was really like two sentences. And Paul packs in all of this stuff because he knows that this is, this is it. This is it. This is what I need to tell you because this is incredibly important. And, and we're going to begin with the first two instructions because it kind of comes under one banner. The first instruction was, first of all, read the letter when it comes. But don't just read it. Stand up in front of people like I'm standing up in front of all of you and read the letter out loud. And then he said, pass the letter on to Laodicea, then bring the letter from Laodicea and have it read in your church. You see, it's an incredible thing what Paul was asking here in this moment, because what Paul was saying was, listen guys, what I'm writing to you is extremely important. In fact, it's the word of God. Paul knew that he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he expected, or assumed I should say, that when he sent the letter that they would read it and that they would basically obey it and, and trust it as truth coming from God. And that's why Paul said, read this letter because it's incredibly important. But also read the letter to Laodicea because it's important as well. And here's the thing. When we write letters to people, we write it with very specific intentions. So if you write a letter these days, um, you have a very specific intention. So let's think email, all right? So if you write an email to somebody, you have a very specific intention of what you want to communicate there. And, and in, this, in this letter, Paul is writing to the Colossians, but he also is writing not only to the Colossians, but the truth remains for everybody. It didn't matter what church it was. And so that's why Paul says, you know, even though you have a specific issue we're going to talk about, it's true for everybody. So I want you to pass it on to Laodicea and get their letter and read it too, because it's going to be applicable for you. And so Paul, even though he was being specific, was also being very uh, general in his teaching because it would be understood by all people. So, so Paul says, first of all, read it. Read it. And what that points to is, is this, Paul's authority. Paul had the authority 
to write these words and that they were the words inspired by the Holy Spirit so that the people would respond to those words. And Paul knew that because, in fact, he, he told uh, his young, uh, he, had a, he had a young man that he was mentoring, and, and he told him something very specific about Scripture. In fact, we're going to read it this morning because it's so important for all of us to understand how this works. And here's what he said to this young man named Timothy. He said in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, Paul was a very well-educated man. In fact, he was brought up under the tutelage of a, a very brilliant theologian uh, in the Jewish sect known as the Pharisees. And so Paul was a, a Pharisee, but F Paul, being a Pharisee and being under this uh, very intelligent, very brilliant theologian, would have memorized most of the Old Testament, if not all of it. And Paul would have been able to, you know... Uh, kind of bring ideas together and, and formulate them from his, from his memory about the Word of God. And so Paul essentially came from a Scripture-saturated background. And so he knew as he was writing to Timothy that Scripture was extremely important. And listen, for Paul, the Scripture what, what was the Old Testament, which is kind of the bigger part of our Bible. And, and Paul told Timothy, listen, that stuff's very, very important because it's very useful in fact, Paul even goes even as far to say as it's God-breathed. It's God-breathed. It's, it's actually the, the Holy Spirit-inspired you know, breath of God coming out onto a page to use. Uh, uh, there's a pastor named Louis Giglio, and he says that, that Scripture is kind of like God's breath on a page. And I think that's just a beautiful image of what Scripture is. But Paul says it's God-breathed and it is profitable. It is profitable. Now, profitable means beneficial. We understand that. But something we might not necessarily understand is that profitable also means yielding gain. Yielding gain. So what Scripture does, being God-breathed, is it yields gain in our lives. It's good for us. In other words, Paul says. And Paul gets very specific. He says it's good for these things, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. For teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. Now, I used to think, as I studied this verse, you know, several times, I used to think that Paul was trying to be emphatic here, that he was trying to make a point, you know? If you're a parent in here, have you ever tried to make a point with your kids? Yeah, right? Everybody's like, yep, it doesn't always work. And it's true, right? So, so we have three little kids. We have uh, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old. And, and um, yeah, it's insane. Um, and so that's why you'll understand this, okay? So I look at them and I say, hey, pick up your toy. Pick up your toy. Pick up your toy. Pick up your toy. I'm going to spank you. Pick up your toy. I'm going to spank you. Pick up your toy. I'm going to throw you out of my house. Pick up your toy. Pick up your toy. Over and over and over again, trying to, trying to be, you know, but saying different things to try to motivate them. And I thought, you know, that's what Paul was doing here, but that's not at all what Paul was doing. What Paul was doing was giving us a process to understand what Scripture was really all about. You know, Paul says it's useful for, first of all, teaching. Well, teaching us what? What does the Bible teach us? The Bible teaches us two very important things. First of all, who God is and what his plan is for our lives. That's what the Bible teaches. In other words, the Bible teaches God's story. It tells us who God is. It tells us all about him. It tells us, uh, you know, what he's like. And it tells us how to live. It teaches us that. And then, and then so Paul says, you know, for teaching, it's good for teaching that we understand God's story. And then he says something very interesting. He says for reproof. 
And what reproof is, is basically disapproval of something. And so what Paul says the Scripture does is that the Scripture reproves our lives. In other words, when we look at God's story, because it's useful for teaching first, when we look at God's story, we can see that our lives don't align with God's story. That it reproves us, that, that it's a, a, there's a disagreement there between the way we live naturally and the way that God says we're called to live. So it reproves us. It shows us that there's basically something wrong with us, okay? And then the next thing that, that Paul says is it's good for correction. So it's not enough that we know the story. It's not even enough that we know um, that there's something wrong, but we have to act on it. And so Paul says it's good for correction, and in that correction, it teaches us God's way. It begins to correct our lives. We begin to follow the word of God and we begin to experience him in, in, in our lives and we begin to experience yielding gain. And then Paul says, once that begins to happen, you'll be trained in righteousness. And as you're trained in righteousness, here's what happens, Paul says, you'll be equipped, you'll be equipped and I'll be equipped for every good work that the Lord has for us to do. So in other words, Paul is basically saying that the scripture is really good for us, that we can know God, we can know his story, that he's inviting us into his story by showing us what's wrong with our lives, and then he wants to correct that, and then he wants us to be equipped because he has some very specific work for us to do. And that was very evident in last week's message because we talked about God's plan to expand. And God's plan to expand is you and me, right? Because God wants to expand his kingdom through us. And we talked about how God wants to basically light our spirits on fire with his spirit and then let our, our, his spirit break through our souls and our bodies. But you see, that's not how naturally we live. We, we naturally live from the outside in. We want to do everything that feels good on the outside because the inside's hurting so bad. But God's trying to say, that's not my way. And that's what the Bible does. It teaches us, right? And it reproves us. And we understand now that God doesn't want us to live from the outside in. He wants us to live from the inside out. Because that's the way we were created, to live. And so Paul says, Timothy, Scripture is extremely important. It's extremely good. And it's useful because it will yield gain in your life. And what Paul was pointing to here is that, yes, we have God's story. We know who he is. And we can be reproved by that. But the correction comes because God did something about it. That God sent his son that we might be made right with him. Basically, God sent Jesus here to live a life that we could never live. And he put Jesus on the cross. And Jesus died there for our sins. And then he was buried. And three days later, he was raised back to life again, overcoming sin and death forever. And the incredible thing is that now, by trusting Jesus, Jesus said all you have to do is believe. By believing in him, by putting our trust in him, we receive a new life. In other words, we become new creatures, Paul says. And it is just an incredible thing what God has done for us. But if it wasn't for this book, we would not know that. And that's why Paul is saying, listen, Scripture is extremely important. So Paul has the authority to write, and he has the authority to write Scripture. And that's the first part of the, the two instructions in the beginning. And then the, the next thing is this. We have to look not only to Paul's authority, but who was he writing to, his audience, you see, I think some of us, we think when it comes to this book that we have to have some kind of a, an extended degree to understand it, that we need to have like a PhD or, or you know, that's just for pastors or whatever, but, but that's not the case at all. Paul wrote Colossians to be read in front of people. That's why he said, you know, read it out loud. Read it aloud in front of the group. Read it aloud. Get Laodicea's letter. Read it because here's the thing, you guys, you're going to be able to understand it. 
Paul wrote in a language that we could understand. And Paul wrote, in, I should say, in a language that they could understand, that we could translate. And we have it today in English so that we can understand. You see, we don't have to have a PhD. We don't have to go to college. We just have to be able to read. And when we read, we read the Word of God, and then God begins to do something inside of us. And something starts to burn. And we just want more and more and more. And that's His Spirit working inside of us. And it's an incredible experience. And that's what God wants us to do. So Paul, Paul wrote this letter as, as he's writing it. He's assuming two things. Number one, it's the authority. It's coming with authority from the Holy Spirit. Number two, it's in common language. You guys can understand it. You know, so in essence, what he's saying is understand it and do it. Understand it and do it. Because remember, Scripture is profitable. It's God-breathed. And it yields gain in our lives. So Paul says that those, those two, two instructions kind of come under that one banner of Paul's authority and the audience to which he's writing. Then the next instruction is something, a very, kind of a neat thing, actually. He's talking about a young man named Archippus, and, and uh, he tells the church, basically, encourage Archippus. I mean, look what he says. He says, and say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. In essence, what Paul is saying to the church is, hey, listen, you need to tell this young man that he needs to carry out the ministry that God has given to him. Now, we don't know much about Archippus. We, we kind of have an idea that he was probably the son of a guy named Philemon. Philemon uh, was the master of a man named Onesimus. Onesimus actually served with Paul. We talked about him last week. Actually, he was a messenger. And, and so Archippus was, you know, well-known in the, in the kind of the churches. And so he tells the Colossian church, listen, you need to get on Archippus. Because we don't know if he was being lazy. We don't know if he was just neglecting the call of God on his life, whatever it was. But maybe he just needed encouragement. And so he tells the church, listen, guys, you need to come around him. You need to encourage him to go and fulfill the ministry to which God's called him. And I think that's just an incredible thing for all of us because what Paul is saying here is that the church is a place where people are encouraged to essentially live from the inside out and accomplish the ministry to which God's called them. And that includes all of us. Because here at New Life Christian Ministries, this is a church that's not made of a building or concrete floor or wood or whatever. It's a, it's a church made of people. And the amazing thing is this, that God has put within all of us a potential that is to be released to bless the world and to build up the church. And that potential comes out in the form of what we call ministry. And the Holy Spirit releases it through us when we let him. And we have to ask him and lead him. Sometimes we need encouragement. And you know, this, this venue right here, it's not really a, a great place um, to encourage one another because it would be kind of difficult if you leaned over, you know, to your husband or wife and tried to give them encouragement, which sometimes that's difficult. But, but it, it wouldn't be good if you lean over to a friend and, and you try to offer encouragement. You can't do that here, but where you can do it is in small groups. And here at New Life, we have small groups starting in October, and I would encourage you to be a part because in small groups, there's an opportunity where we can encourage one another. And I want to be very plain about something. I don't mean go in and bash somebody. You don't go in and say, hey, you're an idiot, okay? That's not encouragement, all right? Even though idiot technically isn't a bad word because it literally means unschooled or unskilled person, okay? It's not technically a bad word, and it might be true, but we don't want to say that to somebody because that's brash. What we want to do instead is come along and say, man, I see, I see the Holy Spirit working in you in such a way. I think you, I think you need to follow this. I think God put this dream in your heart to accomplish for his purpose. I believe that God wants you to release his spirit wherever you go, whatever you do. 
Because God's put it within all of us, and all of us need that encouragement from time to time. And small groups is a great place to get plugged in and get encouraged and come around people. And that's what the church does, and that's what Paul is saying here. Number one, read everything that I send to you because it's under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And you'll be able to understand it. And I want you to be an encourager to those in the church because all of us in here, it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, it doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, all of us, all of us in here today have ministry to do because God's given us a grace in our lives to accomplish in the world, to bless the world, and to teach the world about God and his presence and power. So that's the, the third thing. The fourth thing here is in verse 18. It says, first of all, here's my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Now, something very specific about that, Paul didn't write the letter, actually physically write the letter. He was dictating it to a young man named Timothy. We talked about him earlier. And Timothy was most likely writing this down for Paul. We don't know why Paul struggled with writing, but in this moment, Paul wrote down his own name. In other words, what Paul was saying is, I'm going to own what I say here. Right? We don't usually put our names on things we don't necessarily want to own, or we'll say, hey, get my name away from that. Right? If it's something we don't want to be associated with, but what Paul's saying is, everything I have said here, I'm putting my name on it. This is serious stuff. This is legit. And then he writes something that I think is, is very strange, and it's the fourth instruction Paul gives to the Colossians here in these two verses. He says, remember my chains. Remember my chains. And as I studied that, I thought, that's, that's weird. I don't, I don't quite understand that until I, I dug a little bit deeper and I realized Paul, what he was asking the church to do was to pray. He was asking the church to pray for him and that the doors in, the, in his ministry would be opened, that he would have opportunities to share Jesus and that really he would remain faithful to the call of God on his life. Paul was asking the Colossians, please remember me, remember those who are with me because it's really, really important. And so what Paul was doing essentially was telling the church, hey, listen, God's calling you to pray for very specific things. And Paul said, in this case, remember my chains. In other words, encourage Paul, um, let Paul remain faithful, let open doors come to Paul. But when it comes to us today, Paul is saying to us, remember that we are on a mission. New life has a mission. The mission is to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. It happens as we allow the Holy Spirit to break through in our lives, wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we play, and we have a conversation, and then God brings us an opportunity, an open door to share Jesus. And so what I'm going to ask you to do very seriously right now, if you have a pen and paper, I'm going to ask you to take, I never ask anybody to do this, but I'm going to ask you today. If you have a pen and paper, I want you to write this down, okay? If, if um, you don't have that or you're too lazy um, like I would be, just take a picture when all five of these are up on the screen, okay? <laughs> if you want to uh, type it in your phone, whatever. But I'm going to ask you to pray for five very specific things this week. Because remember, Paul's calling the church to pray. Because here's what happens when we pray. When we pray, God acts. When we pray, God acts. Now, let me be very clear about something. When we pray, we have to pray in faith that he will move. Scripture says that it's impossible to please God without faith. So if we pray but don't believe that God's going to do anything, then we shouldn't pray at all because it's just words going into the air. But when we pray, we need to pray in faith. In fact, James said something very important. This Jesus half-brother, here's what he said. He said, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith 
is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, what that means is this. Such people who, who are praying not really in faith but for their, out of their own motives shouldn't expect things to happen for them. What's that imply? That implies that when we pray in faith that God will move, we're, we believe and expect that he will. And so here at New Life, I want you to pray for five very specific things for this ministry, which, by the way, this ministry, this church, is all of us. So this is really a prayer for all of us. And here they are. First one is, ask God to open doors to share Jesus with the world. Ask God to open doors to share Jesus with the world. What's that mean? It means this, very simply, that God would give us divine appointments to tell people about Jesus. Because people are hopeless in this world. People don't know that there's a God who loves them, that sent his son for them, and they need hope. And that hope is only found in Jesus. That life that people desire deeply is only found in Jesus, and it comes as we read the word of God. So pray for open doors that we might share Jesus with the world. Now, that might come as an organization. We might have an opportunity to partner with somebody that is telling, Jesus, uh, telling people about Jesus all over the place, but I'm, I'm praying specifically that it will happen in each of our lives, that when we leave here today or tomorrow or wherever we go to work or wherever we play or wherever we live, that we'll have opportunities, divine appointments in those moments, that God will open a door where we can talk about Jesus with somebody. So that's number one. Number two, ask God to make ways where there are roadblocks. Ask God to make ways where there are roadblocks. There are always roadblocks. In our lives, there are roadblocks to just about everything that we try to do, particularly if we're following Jesus, you know? And here at New Life, we've experienced a ton of roadblocks over the years. But the amazing thing is, is we've prayed and asked God to remove those roadblocks or to make a way through the roadblock, and God has always been faithful. In fact, when I came here eight years ago, uh, we were worshiping down at the high school, actually, at, at Knock High School, and I had a dream in my heart for what the worship ministry would be here at New Life. And I was scared to death because, number one, I didn't know what I was doing, even though I had kind of prepared for it. I, I really didn't know what I was doing. Number two, I had no idea how to accomplish it. And so over the years, as I've trusted God and asked him and, and researched and, you know, done the things I've, I've done to um, be a good steward of God's gift here at New Life, we've, in, we've experienced some roadblocks. We've had to made some, make some decisions that... Uh, for instance, cost money, right? It costs money. I don't know if you know this, but it costs money to, for those trusses to stand there. Those trusses cost money. Those lights on the trusses cost money. And the electricity that turns those lights on also costs money. And so for us, particularly about six years ago, we had a major purchase that we needed to do uh, in order to take a next step forward. We always talk here at New Life about getting 1% better. This was kind of like a 5% better thing, I think. Um, and, and we needed to make this step. <clears throat> and the incredible thing was is it, it required about $12,000, I believe. And at the time, that was really challenging. But the Lord was faithful, and he made a way. And the, the elders at the time were, were very faithful to God and made a decision to follow through. And we made a purchase that took our worship from one level to another level. 
And it was just an incredible experience. And God has been doing that over and over and over and over again. If you talk to Pastor Chris, you're going you're gonna to hear story after story after story of God making a way through a roadblock where somebody came in and said, I've got money or I've got time or I've got this gift or I've got that gift or whatever. And God makes a way when there's a roadblock, but we have to ask him, make a way, God, please, where there are roadblocks. We are going to build a children's nurture center in the near future. And believe me, there are going to be roadblocks. But we need to pray and ask God now to make a way through those roadblocks as they come up. So that is uh, number two. Number three, ask God to change lives through our influence. Ask God to change lives through our influence. You see, here at New Life, we are not concerned with our brand. We're not concerned that people know, you know, hey, that, you, you know, New Life. We don't care if they know it in Pittsburgh. We don't care if they know it in Erie. What we care about is that people know Jesus. And that's the influence that we want to extend from this place. We want to help all of us in here today, myself included, to know Jesus so well and to let his spirit break through in us that everybody we come in contact with knows something's different about us and that we, they can experience that too through Jesus. And so we want to expand that influence. We want to expand the influence of the kingdom of God. That's what we want. We want the kingdom of God to be released through us to as many people as God would have. Now, number four, ask God to protect us from the enemy's attacks and empower us to drive him out. Ask God to protect us from the enemy's attacks and empower us to drive him out. As there was a man in the Old Testament, his name was Joshua, and he was standing before the promised land. And he was about to go in, and God said, go in and take the land. I've given it to you, but you have to drive out the enemy. You have to drive out the enemy. And so for Joshua, he did that. They went in, they drove out the enemy, and they inherited the land that God had already given to them. He walked in obedience to God in that moment. And as they did that, they came into the land that God had, was blessing them with. And you see, here's the thing. God wants to give us this land. He wants people to know everywhere around here. We talk about, Pastor Chris talks about all the time, we, we want Saxonburg to be a place that it's impossible to go to hell from here unless you really want to. We want it to be a place where people love Jesus so much that it's just, it's just going out everywhere. And so we want to extend that influence, but we have to drive the enemy out. And so pray for the enemy to be driven out and empower us to do that. And then number five, finally, ask God to extend our impact as far as he would permit. Pray that God would extend our impact as far as as he would permit. You see, we want Jesus to be proclaimed everywhere. It's part of our mission with the world, sharing the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time. We want to share Jesus with as many people as we possibly can. However that happens, pray that God would extend our impact, that he would extend your impact wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you go, that he would extend your impact to reach people for Jesus, that you would tell him, tell them about Jesus. So, so Paul said, remember my chains, and I, I encourage all of us this week, let's pray for these things, that God would do them among us, and that we would just be able to kind of stand back and go, whoa, <laughs> that's incredible what God is doing, because he'll do it when we pray in faith. So Paul says, read the word of God. It's the authority, it's coming from me. Read, read it from the other churches. And he says, encourage Archippus. 
And then he says, remember my chains. And all of this is kind of wrapped up in, in, in the question, why, why does the Bible ultimately matter? Well, here's the answer. In fact, it's our take-home point for today. God has revealed himself and his plan in his word. God has revealed himself and his plan in his word. That's why the Bible ultimately matters. That's why when Paul wrote Colossians, he said, read it aloud, because it is good. It is God-breathed. It is beneficial. It is yielding gain in your life. It will, and it is good for you. Because if it wasn't for this book, we wouldn't know that God loves us and that he has a plan for our lives, and that plan is to know Jesus and to allow him to release the potential through us. That's why the Bible ultimately matters. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus for you and for me, that we might know him and experience God the way we were designed to from the beginning, from the inside out, and experience a spirit-filled life. And it comes as we allow the word of God into our hearts and into our spirits and allowing the Holy Spirit then to use it to correct us and equip us that we might be used to complete the good work that God has given all of us to do. And so my commitment for today is this, for all of us, basically to spend time reading the scriptures this week. That's it. Just each day, open it up, read a chapter. Listen, if you have a smartphone, I want you to uh, download an app called the Bible app, okay, if you don't have it. They have reading plans on there. It's incredible. They have thousands of reading plans. Let me not thousands, but it seems like thousands of reading plans. They've got ones that are, you know, two days, five days, seven days, whatever. Download that app and and follow a reading plan. And and if you don't have an app, you know, um, we can get you a reading plan. We can get you a reading plan. But if you don't want that, then I just encourage you, start at the beginning of the Bible and read the book of Genesis, or go to the middle and read from the book of Proverbs. That's a great one, because there are 31, so you could read, you know, one through each day of the month. But I would encourage you, just read it every day, and let the Lord begin to lead, because that's what happens. He begins to teach us who he is, he reproves us, he corrects us, and then he equips us to go out and to be used by him. Because remember, we're God's plan to expand, and that's why the Bible ultimately matters, that we know who God is, and what his plan is. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we can know you, that we can experience you. And God, that we can have a life that you have come to give us that we will not find anywhere else. And Lord, today I pray if there are any in here who for the very first time are saying, you know what, I want that life and I I don't have it. I I pray, God, right now you'd speak to their hearts and that they would trust Jesus for the very first time. Just believe in him. And God, for those who have trusted Jesus, for all of us who have trusted Jesus maybe for a short time or a long time, I pray that you would begin to work inside of our spirit by your Holy Spirit and teach us what it means to walk by your word and to live it out and to experience the gain that comes from it. God, I pray that we will treasure you, the author of your word, above all things, and that you would teach us about yourself as we read the scriptures this week. In Jesus' name, amen.